Beautiful. Today's daf is daf Lamed Vav, page thirty-six in the Seches Yevomus. Okay. Now we're going to pick up reading inside. Huh? Lamed Vav Amar. All right. Now we're going to pick up from Ella Amar Rava, which is the last word on the second line from the top of the page. Ella Amar Rava. The last word on the line is Ella. All right. Now let's remind ourselves of our sugya. We began a new parak yesterday, and the new parak discussed a fascinating situation where we learned that really, if somebody dies childless, the brother is supposed to wait three months in order to make sure that the wife, Taka, didn't become pregnant. Let's say the brother jumped the gun, and he did yibam within three months, or he does halitza, okay? And it turns out that she is pregnant afterwards. It turns out that she was pregnant. He married her too fast. Turns out she's pregnant. Okay? That was that was the case of the Mishnah. Now the Gemara started, and the Gemara began with a machlokas that was still going back and forth. In. A classic Gemara dispute between the brother-in-law's Reishlakosh and Rabbi What was their machlokas? A machlokas was, what happens if the Yavam did chalitza on the Yavama? Before the three months. And then she miscarried. That's the twist to the story. He did chalitza, and she miscarries. Is it a valid chalitza or not? Or do we say, now listen, since she was pregnant, she had a baby inside of her, continuing her, her first husband's name. Maybe the chalitza is not valid in the first place. So that's the conversation. So Rabbi Yochanan says that if somebody does chalitza on a pregnant yoga, and it turns out that she miscarries, guess what? It's a valid chalitza. It turns out it was a good chalitza, because in retrospect, in hindsight, you need a chalitza, right? However, his brother-in-law, says, no. If you do chalitza on a pregnant woman, since at the time that you did chalitza, she, had, she was hold, holding a baby inside of her, the child of that father. If she were to miscarry, she still needs a chalitza. Meaning, you cannot do chalitza on a pregnant woman that doesn't work. That's the dispute. Now, we learned yesterday that there's two reasons for the dispute. Either you could say that they were arguing about a puzzle, or they were arguing about logic. Be it as it may, here's the bottom line that we need for today's talk to start out. And that is, Rabbi Yechanan says, you do chalitza on a pregnant woman and she miscarries, it's still valid. Reish Lakish it's not valid. And we're going back and forth now, each one trying to disprove the other. Here we go. Right now, we're picking up with a question on Rabbi Yochanan, who says it is a valid chalitza. Okay, so here we go. Thank you. 
she goes, we'll, we'll call it scot-free. She doesn't need even more chalitza. As, well, as soon as Ibrahim is on one of the wives, the other wife is um, is free to marry whoever she needs. Okay. So the Raisa, however, says, if it turns out that wife number one was pregnant, so now the co-wife doesn't know whether it was a valid Ibrahim or not. So she needs to wait to remarry. This co-wife, who usually, as soon as Ibrahim is done, usually can marry whoever she wants, now that the first wife is pregnant, and Ibrahim was done to her, then we're going to have to wait to see whether it was a viable child. Okay. Maybe it's a viable child. Maybe the child is going to be alive and well. And if this child's alive and well, then... Is there any issue? No, because if they had practice, they'll kill it. You don't need Ibun, and you don't need need Chalitza. The Havlad, in Ashitza, and this kid also is not free until it comes out that he's uh, that he's actually alive. What's the bottom line? What do you see from here? It says Rubble like this. According to this price of, if Ibun is performed too early, we're still going to tell the Tzara to wait to remarry. Because maybe the child is going to be alive and well. Now, if the child is alive and well, then uh, no Yibumur or Chalitza is needed. But let me ask you a question. Ready? Let's look at the flip side. Let's say that here's the whole catch to the whole point. Let's say this child is not alive. We're asking her to wait and see about this baby. Let's say there's a miscarriage. So we don't allow the co-wife to remarry. Maybe the kid's going to be alive and well. The ain't bia, the chalitza b'ater is Vlad b'ater. And it's not the yibum or bia that's, that's removing the relationship, but it's the child that's going to say there's no yibum or chalitza. The fact that there's a viable child in the world. Vlad ain't but the child is not going to potter until he actually comes out into uh, the airspace of the world. Meaning, he's alive and well. Very clearly, that Rubba's logic, Rubba's smarta, um has backup with the Bryce. Excellent. Right. Says the Gemara, one second. 
the reason why the Kohen is not allowed to remarry to David because he was alive in the world. It seems that the child is not alive in the world, that the Kohen can marry whoever she wants, which was a good answer for Rabbi Echanan, but now the Gemara says, okay. Now it must be that Rish Lakish is wrong. Ends off by saying that the that the child being born is what is what creates the door is what frees the tzara is letting us know only a healthy child but it's not meant to tell us what's going to be if the child's not healthy. Mishpaka says the price is only dealing with rive of the world by viable children and don't make the diuk don't make the inference of what's going to be with a non-viable child. No.
there's three clear cuts. Okay. Amar Rebbe Alozer. We hold the place a little less than halfway down on it is possible to have the halacha is it possible that we accept the opinion of Reish Lakish yet it's not sourced in our Mishnah meaning we're even going to reckon and this is an important idea so that we have to assume the foundation that we're going to have to touch on now, because they're coming out a little further at the end of the Amr. Let's explain. Later on, the Gemara is going to teach us something that's known and quoted a number of times in Shas, and that is, Rabbi Yechanan and Reish Lakish were brother once. With their background, that is, a few times the Gemara teaches us the story of what happened. Rabbi Yechanan was one of the Gedele Adar, one of the biggest Sadiq, a very, very good-looking guy. Rishlokish saw him once, and ultimately, um, he says, the Gemara says he saw him getting bathing in the river, and as a, he was a lead bandit, he jumped in to get Rabbi Yechanan, to feed your imagination, and Rabbi Yechanan says that person is looking for something not kosher, and he says to him, you think I'm good looking, you should see my sister, I promise you, sit down to start learning Torah, I'll tell her to marry you. That's how the Halakha Rishlakish started out. He ended up becoming Rabbi Yechanan's brother-in-law and became a legitimate Gadolata. He learned the Chavrusa for decades. To the point where Rabbi Yechlakish was nipped, there's a whole story how he passed away as well, but it that as well. Rabbi Yechanan was inconsolable and tried giving him all sorts of Chavrusas, all sorts of study partners, Yechanan would just respond, you don't understand. When I learned with Reish Lakish, he would ask me uh, everything I said, he would ask, I don't remember if it was 24 or 48 challenges on my chat, and all my new chabrusas bring me 24 or 48 proofs to why I'm right. I don't need people telling me why I'm right. I need people challenging me. Be it as it may, whenever, here's the main idea, whenever you have a dispute between Rabbi Yechanan and Reish Lakish, in general, the ruling is going to follow Rabbi Yechanan, the Rebbe, the Makara, okay? We're generally going to follow Rabbi Yechanan. So the Gemara is starting to, we're going to get a little more into this later on on the Amaras, we're going to enter into some fascinating Amaras, and we're going to get on the bottom of Amar Aleph into estate planning and things of that sort. It's going to be very interesting. Be it as it may, the Gemara says like this. We seem to be trying to prove Reish Lakish, like support him. The Gemara says, if you have a dispute between Rabbi Yechanan and Reish Lakish, and we're trying to bring support for Reish Lakish. It's got to be that it's not just Reish Lakish against Rabbi Yechanan as an argument. Because in general, we know that Rabbi Yechanan there must be the, some sort of backing from the Mishnah. Or sort of backing supporting Reish Lakish so that we are, are uh, you know, we're giving this little push. That he should hang on there with his opinions. Here we go. No fuck, dog. No fuck. We went out. And we talk about a Mishnah like Reish Lakish, which says, again, Boaz Rosh's opinion, if you do Chalitza on a pregnant woman and then the child doesn't make it, it's not a valid Chalitza. It's a fascinating case. A guy's got two wives. Ready? He goes overseas with one wife. The other wife
This woman, any brothers of her husband, if she was a child, if the brother was childless, she got to Yibo or Chalitza. Why? Until we know for sure that her tzara, um, because we, until we know for sure that her tzara wasn't pregnant, meaning maybe the woman, the wife who went overseas with the husband, became pregnant overseas. You don't know. All you received report the lady in St. Louis, right? Her husband, her co-wife, went to Eretz Yisrael. Report comes back, her husband dies. Is there even a chalitza on the one in St. Louis? No. Because maybe the one in Eretz is pregnant. You don't know that. Now, Bishma, the the big sense why nobody knows. Because maybe the child's going to be alive and well. And the brother, uh, or really, this would apply to Beishas after the Raisa. Yeah, the brother's going to be transgressing if he has relations with her. The transgression of Eishasach, right? Because if the brother had a baby, she's your sister in law, you're not allowed to have relations. Ella, rather, white tachlis. We're saying also, don't do chalitza. I understand why you shouldn't do evil. But this that you shouldn't do chalitza, why? Why not do chalitza on the Kohen? Now, I want to explain this question. Let's pause. Because this question, unfortunately, we can learn from experience. This is a, a two-word question, but it's a very, very question. I want to stop for a moment. Listen to the story of Shilomar's question. A woman's in St. Louis. Her co-wife and husband go overseas. Report comes back, her husband died. Fine. Should any brothers do Yibam on her? No. We understand why not, because maybe the other wife is pregnant. Fine. Should another brother do Chalitza on her? We said no. Says the Gemara, why not? And I want to explain why not. I want to explain why it makes sense to do Chalitza. Ready? And this unfortunately comes from practice. When marriages don't last, it's usually by a divorce, granted. But when marriages don't last, you never know what happens. You never, the most willing menschlich of people, you have people who go Yeshuvah. The Rabbanim out there, started by some Rabbanim in the CRC as well. I personally don't do this, but I, I completely hear the logic. The Rabbanim that nowadays will not officiate at a wedding. If the Chatzim and Kala do not first sign a halachic prenup, stating that if the wife ever wants a get, the husband must deliver the get in a timely fashion, or else he's committing himself legally to $500 a day as a fine. And it's a legal document that they have couples do now, because Nebuch, unfortunately, there are agunas, and there are husbands that use this as a weapon. Why we mention this? I want to say, why not do Chalitza? Meaning, just get it done. You'll, you'll clarify later whether she was pregnant. You don't know. You'll wait for the news to come dead so. But at least end this woman's... Uh, at least let her off the hook. At least if and when the word comes, she doesn't have to deal with this later. It's a very important question. This, by the way, like, why not do Chalitza? It's telling us, there's logic to say you should do Chalitza. Right. Do Chalitza, right. If, if you're just leaving her, you're keeping potential for... For issues. The Gemara doesn't do Chalitza. What does it hurt? At least, if the news comes back that the wife wasn't pregnant, she doesn't need to start waiting and a brother. 
What if one of the husband's brothers later on decide, I don't want to do Khalitza, I want to, and she's not interested in that. Let's get it done. It's Gemara's question. It's a beautiful, beautiful, important question. Okay? Says the Gemara like this. I understand why we're going to say don't do chalitza within nine months of the death. I knew something because there's not a concern, there's a doubt. Maybe the other woman was pregnant. Ella within nine months, and let her marry after nine months makes sense. Says Gemara Gishmak. Ready for this? Gishmak, a question. Listen to this question. Let the co wife do chalitza. Let me ask you a question. Are you ready? This is beautiful. Husband and co-wife are overseas. One co-wife is left in St. Louis. Let the brother do chalitza. Wait nine months. If we don't hear anything, for sure marry anybody else now. What's the worst that happened? If there was a baby, so she's a regular widow. And if there was no baby, chalitza was done. So do Khalitza asked the Gemara, wait nine months, let her marry. Says Gemara in response, one second, Muldamech. And, and, and this is a proof for Islam. Says Gemara, one second, Muldamech. According to your reasoning, do Khalitza and let her get married after nine months. Ella Barmi Nadahi. But the Mishnah is excluding this conversation. The Abaye Bar Abba. Because Abaye is the son of Abba. Rebchenna Bar Abaye. They both say, There's still a concern. The name of the child is alive and well. They say, No, we don't want, we don't want, uh, you know why? We ask the question, What's wrong with Chalitza? Do Chalitza? Do Chalitza? No, we don't want to do it. You know why? Because if you don't do Chalitza after nine months, let's say there's no baby. She's a regular widow who's permitted to the corona. If you do chalitza on her now, do chalitza, again, we don't know what's going on overseas. Since if you do chalitza on the co-wife and say, look, it turns out there is a baby. So she doesn't need the chalitza. Now you're going to have to start posting online. You should know the chalitza five months ago was a million chalitza, so she's both her to marry a divorcee. We, we don't want to do that. You don't want to start making announcements telling people she's no longer considered a chalitza. She's only an amana, so she can still marry a guy. We don't want to do that. She says, Gora, why not? Well, let's reach Do it. Help her out. And announce. If it comes out that the, that she's a regular widow, just announce it. Right? Maybe there's somebody. Oh. Showed up early. Uh, and left early. Meaning, there's times where you... You look for the information that you you find the information you look for. So Khalitza is big news for the Jews. Widowhood isn't. So people talking about hear about Khalitza, they're not gonna hear that she's a widow. The word's still gonna remain that she was a Khalitza when it's not really true anymore, it's gonna be too confusing. Hence, we don't wanna risk it. The Osi Lamimar Koshri Khalitza Khan, people are gonna say, Oh, look, one second, I know that woman six months ago had a Khalitza done. And now she's marrying the client. Oh, it must be a Khalitza let her marry the you don't want people saying that. And therefore, we don't do Khalitza unnecessarily. Does it say in the Mishnah, there's no need for Khalitza? No. It means don't marry and don't have 
Okay, the idach and situation number three, Allah number three, that we pass like Rish Lakish, the Tanan, we learned in the Mishnah, a person who writes over all his property to his son after he dies. I want you to get it after I die. Fascinating. If the father sells it, follow along, I'll explain everything in a moment. It's sold until he dies. If the son sells it, the, the buyer does not own it at all. Until the father dies. The Idmar, and we learned about this case, if the son sells it, the property during the father's lifetime, then the son dies. The purchaser never bought it. The purchaser did buy it. What in the world is going on? So let's pause and talk outside. This is an amazing, amazing situation. Ready? A father tell, he writes a document to his son, and he says, my dear son, I am giving you this field. Behold, it is yours. From this moment... However, however, you're only going to acquire it after I die retroactively now. 
You hear this? <laughs> so he, he says, listen, you, uh, I'm giving it to you in the year 5782. You're taking ownership. However, here's the condition. After I die, whenever that is, in a day, in a month, in, t- in 25 years, then retroactively now it's going to become yours. So ready? You could do that technically. Why not? I mean, that's what you decided to do. So says the Brisa, the father is not allowed to sell the field. Because if you sell the field tomorrow, what happens after you die? Your son really acquired it before the purchaser. Because when you die, he acquires it retroactively a day before you sold it. And the son is not allowed to sell it because it's not his right now. Okay? But what if the father did sell the field? What if he did sell it? So says the Gemara, um, it's considered sold until he actually dies. All right? Meaning, whoever bought it from the father can use the produce until the father dies. However, if the son sells the field, nothing doing. It's not a sale. The buyer can't do anything with it. He can't use the produce. And we said that if the son sold the field while the father was alive, and ready for this? What happens if the son ends up dying before the father? Listen to this case. Mamish like Yavamas. You ready? Kishmak. A father tells his son, I'm giving you the field now. When I die, it's yours now retroactively. But you have to wait for me to die for it to become yours. The son sells the field tomorrow. Is it his field to sell? No. Okay? However, what if the son then dies? Guess what? The buyer, why don't we just say the buyer like takes the place of the son? No. When the father dies, the buyer doesn't take the place of the son. Nothing ever happened. Okay? The buyer will receive the property when the father ultimately dies. Meaning, he's going to take the son sold him the rights to the field. So the son died first. Okay. So I'm, I'm buying out the life insurance. Whenever the son died. Okay. So now when the father dies, I'm going to be the heir of the land because the son's not here. Now, what's the machlekes? Rabbi Echonon says it's not an acquisition. Kenyan pears cannot go on me because the whole purpose of a field is to grow produce. So whoever has the right to a produce, they're considered the owner of the field. So the father, who really owns the property, has no uh, legal standing over here. Okay? Because the father kept the rights to the uh, produce. And I'm sorry. Yeah. The father kept the rights to the produce. And therefore the son's sale is not a valid sale. Says Rabbi Echanan, you don't get the field. It's like the son never sold it to you. Now, obviously, you got to give the money back. It is a valid sale. You know why? Whoever has in charge of the produce, it doesn't mean that they have the full rights to the field. Hence, it's going to be a valid. Uh, it's going to be a valid sale, and the buyer will get the land when the father dies. And we paskin like Reish Lakish. This is situation number three. Okay, so we have three halachas like Reish Lakish. If uh, by, by a case of where you do Yibam or Chalitza on a pregnant woman, the case of where a person writes in a document to his children and or anybody really, and you write in the document that is going as a gift to one person and an inheritance to another person, Reish Lakish said you got to write gift to each one. And this case as well, if you sell the, you know, if the son sells it and then he dies, 
Reish Lakish is of the opinion that um, the field is considered sold. Period, two dots, that ends that Gemara. Okay. The mission then said, Inavlad Shalkayama. If the child is not Shalkayama, if the child does not make it, it's not a living, healthy child, so then what happens? What happens? What happens? What happens? A guy marries Yavama, turns out she's, she's pregnant, and then she has a miscarriage. So um, he's allowed to keep her as a wife. Why? Because she's your Yavama. Your brother never had a baby. And afterwards, you got to get rid of her with a get. It's like a full-fledged marriage. This that we just said, yeah, that once you marry your Yavama, um, who's pregnant, you still have to divorce her. You're going to be obligated to divorce her because you had a full-fledged Yibam. Rev Meir, the Tanya Rev Meir says, You're not allowed to marry the a nursing woman or um uh or a pregnant woman the imnasa and if you do marry her you're obligated to divorce her and you're never allowed to take her back. Why? We're gonna see soon this is a knas this is a fine that the Khamim put on somebody. The Khamim made a takana they made a decree if a woman is nursing you're not allowed to marry her. If a woman is pregnant you're not allowed to marry her. And if you do, we're going to knas you, we're going to find you, as we'll see soon why. You're never allowed to take her back. You're obligated to divorce her. However, if let's say, whenever she's not pregnant anymore, or whenever she's not nursing anymore, you're allowed to, re, you're allowed to take her back. Okay. Abai says, How do you see Reb Meir's like Reb Lazar? Maybe it's not the same. Maybe where do you say the Yavam's obligated to divorce a, a, his wife who was pregnant because you transgressed, a, you, you really took a risk of transgressing, sleeping with your brother's wife. So now that you did it, doesn't matter if she has a miscarriage, you're obligated to divorce her. We're going to make a fine against you. What type of person are you to risk? Oh, she ends up having a miscarriage? How'd you know? If she didn't have a miscarriage, guess what? You had relations with your brother's wife. Meshuggah, why are you doing that? We're going to say you got to divorce her. However, but the decree about not marrying a pregnant woman or a nursing woman is only a rabbinic decree. Could Rabbanan severely, maybe holy the Rabbanan who say that you're allowed to take her back. Inami, or you could say, maybe Rabbanan only says you're not allowed to remarry her because of the Rabbanan. And some, sometimes you're actually more strict on a rabbinic thing than biblical. Why? In order to take the Rabbanan seriously, sometimes we're even more strict on a dint Rabbanan more than a Tyra law. But by... Uh, but by the case of our mission, by a pregnant woman, where you're dealing with Darais, and Mefresh Parsh, we know. Why don't we say that, uh, you know, we could assume that he'll stay away from her, and there's no need to, um, and, and there's no need to make a fine taking her back. Memela says, Gemara, bottom line, we just don't know whether Rebbe Eliezer and Rebbe Meir's halacha work in tandem. Okay, now Omar of Rabbah says, well, the bottom line is, we said, if you marry a pregnant woman and she has a miscarriage, a guy does Yibam, and she has a miscarriage, Turns out she's talking your bumma. We say no. Um, we say you're obligated to divorce her. I'm a Marzutra. Marzutra says, Dekanami, you can infer also uh, from the Bryce, Dekani Yaitzi, he's got to remove her. But like a Tani Yafresh, doesn't say you just separate from her. It means Mamish like a divorce. Yaitzi means she goes out. She's done with you. 
Shmamino, you learn from here that that uh, our our bris meant you have a full fledged um, you have a full fledged get. We learned in a Mishnah elsewhere. Anytime you have a baby that lives longer than 30 days, you know that is considered a living child, not considered a stillborn. But let's say you have a child that doesn't end up living 30 days, so you don't know for sure whether this was a viable child, and therefore we're left with a suffix. And we learned, let's say you have any baby, okay, that dies within 30 days. And this woman went and she got married to somebody else. Now, why'd she marry somebody else? Says Rashi like this, ready? You have a guy who didn't have any other children until this woman had a baby. Then he dies. Ready? He dies. And um, the ba- and then his, he had a baby, but that baby died within 30 days also. And then the woman married a random guy. Married a random, right? She married the uncle. Ravina Mishmed Rabbam, Ravina says the name of Rabbam, Eishas Yisrael, he chaylatzes. If she's an Eishas Yisrael, meaning if the one who married her was a regular Yisrael, so we're going to say, let her go do chalitza on the brother, because she could always go back now to her husband. There's no problem, right? Let the brother do chalitza on her, because again, you understand what's happening here? The child died within 30 days, so we don't, it's a suffix. We don't know whether the first brother had a baby. So we tell second brother, we tell Shimon, do chalitza on her, and then she could go back to her husband, who she just married. However, Vimesha's Kayanhi, let's say this woman married a Kohen, Enacholetzes. We're not going to say to Shimon to do chalitza, because that's going to forbid her to her husband. Either way, you got to do chalitza. Okay? Either way, you got to make sure that you're not having a, a woman who's a Yavama running around town, being married to anybody. says to top of tomorrow's daf, last night, Rava said this, but the next morning, you should know that she, he backed out of his halacha, and he said that if he's married to a Kohen, you do not remove her from that marriage. Amarlei, Sharisu, you're going to let her marry without Chalitza? Yehirava, the Shitvu Aftarba. Yeah, if you're going to say that she should be permitted to stay with her Kohen husband, you might as well allow people to eat Shreif. Okay? Might as well allow people to eat Shreif. Meaning, you have a woman. She's a Safek Yevama, which means she's connected to the brothers. And you're like, you know what? Eh, she already married a Kayan. Leave her alone. Leave her alone? What do you mean? The kids might be Mamzerim. How do you mean leave her alone? How can you say such a thing? Okay? Says the Gemara. We'll hold it here. Ten minutes till Mincha. Okay, we'll hold it here. Bezjem will pick up uh, with the next step of Hacha Gabi Mubaras Chaveray to wrap up the Sugya. Bezjem tomorrow evening, same time. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening, everybody.